Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hello, friends. Happy day to you. Thank you for following along all the things that the Dinner Party Project is doing and up to. And this year has already been flying by at record speeds, which is insane. But I wanted to keep you posted on a series that we have coming up called Orlando Matters, the Dinner Party Project dinner series. Um, super excited about it. We got some feedback from like our five-year party. And what we found was that people wanted more themed dinners around industries and topics. So... That is what we are doing. We are doing a five-month series, which started in January. We started off with um, what's new and fun in Orlando at the balcony, which was so much fun. And then we also did a dog lover's dinner party at the Wellborn, which was so gorgeous. Um, And so many cute pups joined us. I wanted to let you know about dinners that are coming up. We do have one. Ones in February, we are doing a dinner party for interior designers, something that is very um, of interest to me on February 24th at the Heavy. And we will be having delicious food by Mockingbird Orlando. So if you are an interior designer, anything around that area, or just heavily your own home interior designer, um, we would love to have you join us around the dinner table. For our second dinner, we are doing... um, uh, affordable housing solutions on February 26th at East End Market, which we would also very much love for you to be a part of. We're also excited for this series to partner with Tito's Vodka. They have generously given us the capacity to be able to donate to, um, for each month, we get uh, $500 per month to donate to a fund, a local fund. <clears throat> And we are choosing for January, we got to donate to the Pet Alliance. And for February, we're choosing to donate to the Coalition for the Homeless, which has to do with immediate housing, but kind of along the same lines. So we're very grateful for that. And in March, we will be doing dinners around health and wellness also at Easton Market, which we're very excited about. And the second dinner party will be around food deserts and food disparity within Orlando. So we'd love for you to join us for that one. Uh, In April, we will be doing a dinner for the LGBTQ community, which should be very colorful and a lot of fun. And then uh, the second dinner for that month will be around inclusion. How do we um, learn better ways to love our, our community and language and questions that people might have? So we would love to have you join us for those. And then in May, we would love your input. So we are doing two dinner parties in May and we're taking a poll as to what industry and what topic that you would like to talk about. So DM us, um, email us, message us. You can vote. Uh, We'll be voting on social media and other places for you to let us know what you would like to see gathered around the dinner table. So thanks once again to Tito's for supporting us in this uh, dinner series and all the people that are kind of collaborating to make this happen, but we would love for you to participate. So we hope to see you around the dinner table soon. Welcome back everyone. Thank you for coming back and listening to all the things. Um, we are heading into summer already. It's, it's ridiculous. So 
This is kind of maybe a new favorite summery drink. I kind of made it up. I looked up some things and I was trying to, um, I'm really into like rose water at the moment. So this cocktail was going to incorporate that. And so I was just trying to figure out what that looked like, but, um, it's doesn't really, I guess have a name. I should think of a name for it, but it is so simple to make. You can eat very easily. It's literally, I think four ingredients or five ingredients, which is my speed. So, um, I think two ounces of Tito's vodka, an ounce of rose water. Um, I think I did a half ounce of, um, lemon juice and a half an ounce or less of simple syrup and tonic water. So maybe five ingredients and then garnished with, um, a lemon wheel. So that is a cocktail, which we both very much enjoyed, very refreshing and yeah, easy, 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 easy. My guest this week is Ben Wa Glazier, and he's actually someone that I don't know all that well. Um, I feel like one of my first guests maybe, but I was very excited to have him on because he has created something, which I guess now they don't call it anymore, but I used to call it the white house. Um, it's the Timakua foundation, I guess, but it is a home that is literally right across the street from Boone high school. And it is so cool. I have been so many times over the years and they have just so many interesting performances from like arts to theater to music. Um, they've got this amazing kind of like two, two story home with the acoustics just figured out just right. And it's yeah, really incredible. The amount of people that they bring into Orlando and expose Orlando to great music and great art. And Benoit of course, and his wife and family have been the ones to make that happen. So I was excited to kind of hear his story and got so much more than I bargained for. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just really love sharing these stories. So I'm hoping that you are enjoying listening to them, especially this one. So Benoit, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being on Cocktails and Conversation. Or good night, depending on what time the people are listening. To, listening to you know, this, yeah. right. It could be any time, really. Yeah. For this moment that we are in the present, it's It's afternoon. definitely a nice February afternoon. February afternoon, doing some day drinking. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. cheers. Yes, cheers. I, yes. Yeah, this is quite Salud. unusual for me. Quite unusual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is definitely not... Um, an everyday occurrence to have a drink in an afternoon. But if I can have over somebody and have a drink in a conversation, then I am more than happy to do that. So you had kind of mentioned Rosewater just a second ago, but um, the drink that I kind of made up today, I, I like kind of sometimes following recipes and sometimes just kind of figuring things out. So this one was a little bit of an experiment, uh, experiment, but, um, Tito's vodka. And then I, we did the, the rose water mm -hmm. in there as well. Um, a tiny little splash of simple syrup, uh, lemon juice, and then uh, tonic water. Yeah. So it doesn't really have a name except for just like, it's already warming up a little bit. So it's like kind of light and refreshing. And yes. And it's not too sweet and I don't do sweet. It's so, not very sweet. Right. You know, which yeah. is very good. Good, good, good. Yeah. I do uh, tend to um, 
if, if, if I have my choice, I tend to, to gravitate towards like a sweeter drink versus more like a bitter mm-hmm. or a Manhattan or a Negroni or something like that. So I, I tried to keep that in mind for other people. Cause probably most people don't as much like a, like a very strong, um, sweeter drink. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm a recovering sweetaholic. So oh, I, I just in general. Yes. I, I gave up sweets, cold Turkey in May, 2000. So that's to almost 20 years. Yeah. 20, okay. almost 20 years. It's going to be 20 years. This in a couple in, months. In a couple months. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a long yeah. time, but I, I, uh, had, you know, maybe four lifetimes worth of sugar in the uh, time before that. So I'm okay. I'm okay. Fine. So yeah. you'll be fine. I'm still living off the sugar I had in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. Right. Yeah. When I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was growing up, kind of my main objective as a child was to get candy, to find and get candy um, or sweet things. Because in my house, we didn't really, my mother did not, that was not something that we had around hardly ever or much so, at all. So do you want to talk about food or the drink or do you want to talk my childhood? Because I can mesh all of them in one in one because well here's the thing my mom made her own bread and uh, every day and she made about 40 pies a week just because she liked baking and my brother was allergic to gluten so my father and i ate all my mom weighs about 85 pounds so she eats like a bird you know and so uh it was are we talking multiple pies a day yes we're talking one whole pie per person for breakfast lunch and dinner and sometimes in the evening but there was no candy in the house no candy Uh so it's just a different everybody's different you got the real sweets oh i i i mean every kind of pie you can imagine like can you still eat pies well, I or don't. Do you, you don't at all? I don't. I don't. Uh, Even fruit, I have to watch when I eat it because my body has just gotten used to not having sugar and it just... Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It messes me up completely. Okay. If I have, you know, for example, fruits after having protein, like, forget it. It's like I'm going to not feel good okay. at all. My body rejects it. <laughs> after protein. Yeah. That's, that's so, very dedicated. So if I, if, I, if, I, if I want fruit, which I want... Yes. Then I eat fruit either completely separate of meals or uh-huh. before the meal. That's when I can eat it. Otherwise, like any, it's already too sweet. Like, you know, it's amazing. But so, you know, you, you probably, you, you obviously, you know, know a lot about baking and, and about desserts, I'm sure. I know a lot about eating them. Eating? Okay. Yeah, so sometimes making them, but mostly eating them. Okay. So here, here is a few examples of pies. Okay. okay. So we have, uh, well, mincemeat pie, of course, and the lemon pie, the apple pie that we all know. But there's also like, of course, sugar pie. Uh, but there's, you know, where I'm, I'm from Montreal, so from Quebec, we have maple trees and okay, sugar maple. Sure, yeah. And so there's maple syrup pie. There's also vinegar pie. There's also... Vinegar pie? Vinegar pie is a thing. It's very, it's very like, good. It's like a savory, like meaty? No, no. It's like a... It's like a... No, no. I'm not all talking about desserts. It's a... It's like a sugar pie, but with vinegar in it to cut the sh- sweet so that mm-hmm. you can actually make a, a sweeter pie. It's pretty sweet. It's okay. like... Yeah, it's very sweet, but with sugar. Never with have I ever heard of this. And then there's uh, there's all kinds of, you know, n- the nut pies and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know Pecan. those. Pecan pie, but all, you know, all the, of the nuts. We have chestnuts and all the other nuts and stuff. And, of course, all of the fruit pies that you can imagine. And we have some fruits, of course, that's endemic to and unique to uh, northern the northern climates, especially in North America. Like, there's a f- we have a few fruit, like, uh, on the North Shore that only grow on a couple of hundred miles of seashore, for example, that kind of stuff. Okay. And so all of these 
were in contention, like, or on the menu. And um, so every week, basically, we usually had a, a few of each of these, like, pretty much. And then you, she would rotate again. You know, a few of them yeah, would so, make it, yeah. like, what's in, like, no strawberry pie in the winter, obviously. You know, strawberry pie when it's time to, and I would, you know, pick the, like, we would pick our own strawberries and ah. blueberries and you know, raspberries. And this is in Montreal? In, well, I grew up in the woods, like, an hour and an hour north of Montreal in the Laurentians. So okay. basically, you can think of, like, Appalachia as far as ah. the, the kind of, like, the scenery. Um, except it's, you know, halfway up the globe, latitude-wise. So it's, it's like, you know, but it's... Uh, and then... You know, like we had a good mixture of uh, uh, deciduous trees and coniferous trees. And then just you go just a few hundred miles north and there there's no more leaves anywhere. Like just, just coniferous oh. trees. Like where my wife is from, right. there's only one kind of tree. And they're all like 300 years old and they're like big, wow. smaller than my thigh. And they're like 25 feet tall. That's right. The rings are like, they're so tight together. You can't count them. Like if you cut a tree, you can't count the rings because they're too tight together. You need a microscope. Like it's so But then tight. they just, they just grow so small. Yeah. Like they, they, just, they don't grow out because right. it's so cold and it's windy and it's by the ocean and forget it. Like it's just ah. melais. I don't know what the, the name in English is, but it's like a one kind of confusion. Anyways, I digress. Yes. The idea is that uh, sugar was my thing. And I, I could eat like, you know, two trays of homemade cookies mm. and a gallon of ice cream after a meal, for example. So that's just an example, you know. So eventually, you know, in the late 1990s, my pancreas starting to yell at me. And I eventually had to listen. Like I was getting migraines and like I was getting it help. It was affecting uh, your health. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, right. it was, I was getting these huge crashes. Like, so I said, okay, that's done. And now I'm, you know, it took about a, a week to get over, over it. And after that... I've never really had cravings again. No. And, and in fact, even my, my wife bakes a lot and sometimes I just have to get out even at the house because I can't, I can't stand the it. smell of it. Like it's too sweet. So, you know, <laughs> although she has cut down, like she bakes with a lot less sugar than most people, but okay. still sometimes it's All right. my son, my youngest son is a baker too. And he's like, his stuff is a little sweeter than my than wife. So it's wife's. like, Oh boy, I just leave it. At least I go, I go like cluster my cluster. Cl I go like uh, uh, hide in my office, you know, like cloister, cloister, cloister. cloister. That's, that's the word I was looking right. for. Like, yeah. So um, yeah, so so that's that's right. the sweet thing, the and sweet then thing. so that's why I'm very happy that this drink is like a little bit more tart. For oh, example, yeah, you know? it is mostly tart. Yeah, yeah I like not, it. I like it. Yeah. So good. backing up back to drinks, um, yeah. and that you do like things that are that are more. Um, are not as sweet. Do you have a go-to drink? Like if you were to make yourself like a. Well, I, I don't make myself cocktails really as a okay. rule. Uh, I perhaps uh, contradictory or, you know, like uh, what would be the word? Like uh, paradoxically, I like port ah, and I like. Southern, sweet. Yes. But yes. I usually have it with spicy okay. food. Okay. And so it balances, balances it, it out. And so sure. it's good. And I like the good ports that are actually more complex. It, like, you know, more mm -hmm. smoky, oaky, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Spicy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like wine, you know, there the people just think, oh, sweet. No, 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 no. There's good stuff is also more complex, just like a good wine. Sure. And, Not all wine, I feel, is, is sweet. 
No, yeah. but not lar- not all. Well, I mean, well, all port, port, port is, is, is a little is bit su- mm-hmm. sweeter, but it's not all sweet. Like there's other mm-hmm. stuff in there, flavor wise. And uh, and I also like some of the southern French equivalent, which are less sweet and more complex. And so Rasto mm-hmm. is a good example. So like in the Chateau Neuf du Pape region, like in the southern, like in basically in the. Um, uh, uh, Riviera, French Riviera, like, like, or at least like in Provence, you know, and mm-hmm. South. So you have these people who make wine, they make wine, but they also make these port equivalents. So it, they're obviously not port because Portugal. they're not from Portugal, but, yeah. but it's a fortified wine and they have, they use different wine and they've used different spirits. Mm-hmm. And, but the method like to, of getting the wine, like it's baked wine, you know, it's like they, they, they basically sun dry the, the, the grapes, grapes. And so they're more, like uh, uh, concentrated and stuff, and is. which is where a lot of the port mm. characteristics come from. It's mm. not only j- addition of the spirit that goes with that. Like at, I think that's like at the second aging or whatever that they add the spirit or something like that. But anyway, I'm not totally versed in the making of port. I've never made port, but right. um, but I like these wines, and I also I'm not I I don't drink a lot as a rule, but sure. because you know when people drink in my house, I'm working. And, and they're drinking and I'm working most of the time. But I do like a good um so I'm gonna I'm gonna in confidence, if you don't tell anybody, like at work at Cirque du Soleil, I used to, you know, I was the conductor there for 18 years. And yes. um so on every week it was uh somebody else's uh job in the band uh to get an unique, interesting bottle of scotch. Uh-huh. And uh, which the Scots would be insulted as just whiskey, but you know. Anyways, it's a long story. But uh, anyway, so we I, we tried a fair amount. You know, oh. over fift- like fifty. After fifteen years, we were told not to bring alcohol in the premises anymore. So, uh-huh. and we had to get rid of our bottles, which was a real shame because we had kept all the empties. There were hundreds of empties with the labels, with years. notes on yes. the label. Like this one was really good. It's a tradition. Yes, you know. Yes. And so we had to get rid of those, which is a. I mean, I took some pictures, but you know, it's they wouldn't small. Let in, and, like, I mean, I guess where would you put them? But they didn't let you take them with you. Well. I yeah I could have yeah, but I just yeah, you know yeah. like so anyways but uh, so I like a good scotch and so I and I mm. we also have like some very unique liquors where I'm from because uh, well you know not necessarily unique to uh, Quebec but we, you know uh, I guess you'd call them frozen wines and things like that like you know are are a thing we, like after the grapes freeze. Like you let them freeze one time, mm-hmm. then you harvest the grape, and so the huh. wine that resulting is much more sweet and uh, like different. It's like the flavor more. It's or? different. It's different. Anyway, okay. it's like a delicacy kind of thing. It's more rare because it's very hard to time it, and you know, a lot of people waste a lot of grapes this way because they it's not the right length of time and whatever that it can't freeze for a long time because they're gone you know anyways um but we have like liquors of like uh, all these little fruits that i don't know the names in english and uh, i don't know the the scientific names either so it's very hard to find the names in english (laughs) and they may not exist because you know 
it's a French speaking country. And as you can tell from my accent and uh, the, uh, so, but the, you know, there's a we have a few fruits that like one of them is like a uh, lindenberry in Sweden and things. Mm -hmm. So we have a fruit that's similar to that. Uh, so there's a liquor of that and that you can't find anywhere else. So we have that usually have that there's of course, like, you know, maple whiskey and all of these things, which I'm not a huge fan of because it's a little bit sweet, mm -hmm. but, um, but I am like, I will occasionally, very occasionally drink a little bit of Calvados and these other kind of alcohol like Armagnac you know you know Cognac probably yes. so Armagnac is the the champagne version of that like in other words of you know and uh, and uh, Calvados is uh, the uh, cider version of that so I've never heard of that yeah Calvados is yeah it's it can be scratchy like depending which ones you get but in okay. those all of those because sometimes they're more than 80 proof you know and so there it's relatively strong yeah sipper <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah it's like you so but it's uh it's uh, some of those things are very very good and so mm. i i like that armagnac you cannot find in the you usually we have to when we go to france we bring back a bottle right. very very hard to find here very expensive mm. they don't they export i think one or two percent of their production like they keep everything for themselves let the french right. know when something is good enough you don't sell it that abroad. Very French. You don't sell it abroad. You keep yes. it for yourself. So, um, so Armagnac is one of these things. It's like it's like cognac on on, but much more refined, and it's like mm. it's so good. But, mm -hmm. and I'm I ran out just like last month. Of, my bottle is gone. It's right. finished. And then so I have one Calvados left. The other brand is gone as well so like i'm going low a little bit on these things so i'm gonna have to mm -hmm. replenish eventually but yeah so that's what i drink m more of uh, rather than like co concocting things you know sure. so I, it's uh it's because i'm lazy and i'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit less of a cook uh, you know what i mean uh, as a person yeah uh and uh you know maybe less of an artist in that way you know like an art, it's an artistic endeavor to to build a nice cocktail that mm -hmm. from from your imagination. Like mm -hmm. that's what art is, right? Making something out of nothing. Well, obviously it's out of something, something right. but it's not, you're not following instructions, you know. And that's the artistic part. That's what I'm interested in. Like I'm not really interested in, like for example, standardizing a Manhattan. Like I mm. want you make me a version of Manhattan that I'll never have anywhere else. That's what I would be interested in. Like you know what I mean? Like mm. and I'm using that offering. as an example, but I mean that's yeah. just who I am. I prefer the unique and the personal to mm. the the bland or ordinary and the you yeah. know mass produced kind of thing. So So speaking of that, um would there be a, a a place or two in town that you have gone for that you would go for a drink that you have enjoyed or a date night or like to grab like a nice handcrafted cocktail or glass of wine? You know, like over the years, before we started the concerts at the house, we went out, we tried to find things to do. And so we went out a little bit more. Honestly, the probably the best date night place is my house okay. on concert night. I'm uh -huh. not joking. It's like it's it we were voted best place to bring a first date uh -huh. on in several media outlets like several times. I don't doubt it. And so because it's it's kind of thing where mm -hmm. you know it's not it's out of the beaten path. And so if you want to impress somebody, bring them to the place that they would never have gone otherwise. So okay. that's and then it's not gonna be your fancy cocktails because that's not what happens there. People sure. bring wine, and you know people bring some wine from the grocery store and stuff. But you always get every pretty much every night. There's a few people who bring like a 
a nice, thoughtful bottle of wine. That's yes. and food as well. Like yes. that is, you know, that they made and that it, that it it's related somehow to what's happening on stage that night, for example. So it's a like it's that's fun, you know. It's like a it just makes the whole. Uh, evening, evening a little bit yeah and more yeah. the experience more complete for the person who goes to the mm -hmm. evening, that, that so you know so aside from that like my go-to place for for to get a drink is europe <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay you know and all so, right because like you know my well and i get to go maybe more often than I deserve because, well, first of all, I know France very well because I mm -hmm. toured there for a few Since decades before I came here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I know a lot of like the hidden places and in Germany and in Holland and these can, you know, um, not everywhere, but, you know, there's some places. And then now I have a new connection in Edinburgh for the past three years. And of course, it's a great city and it's a, you know, if you like Scotch, Scotland is not the worst place to go, you know. Fair and so, okay. and you know, the little, there's a little like breakfast joint uh, close to where we stayed the first time we went, I guess, two and a half years ago or something like that. And um, it, they had 180 different scotches oh. in that little breakfast Whoa. place. It, it's not even a bar. Like, so you, you have scotch with breakfast? No, they're open all day. But I mean, uh, like, yeah, it's yeah. not this a fancy place by any stretch. It's just like, it's a, it's a. But their offerings are extensive. 180 different bottles of scotch. Right. Always available. And so it's like, and that's like two doors down from where we were. And so we went there for breakfast with haggis and beans and stuff. And like a standard, like comfort food, mm -hmm. scotch comfort. Mm -hmm. The food in Edinburgh was incredible in scotland in general i mean we stopped at a roadside tavern probably a 300 year old establishment you know and uh we figured oh we'll stop for lunch you know F five star chef in there like he, like the best salmon i've ever had like ever oh, ever mm -hmm. and like a roadside tavern like here you'd find like some chain restaurant maybe if you're lucky like you'll get a mexican restaurant or something uh -huh. but this this was out of this world like yeah. the food was just from beginning to end like the, this rivals paris and and ah. food in the quality of the food edinburgh actually i wouldn't i wouldn't hesitate do you remember the name of it the, I don't. You don't. No, I know no. approximately where it is, so I could okay. I could find okay. it again. It's not in Edinburgh. It's like on nearing the west coast when you go west. So it's very cool, very okay. cool. And but we never had bad food. There's great Indian food. There's great like you know as all of UK is great it's Indian pretty, food. Yeah. And, but um, but yeah, the food that was a big surprise for me. How like, about in France? Do you have one France? place that oh. you know a name of? Uh oh, mm, the names. I'm terrible with names. But there is an Italian restaurant kind of across from the Louvre in Paris. And then there are the same kind of things, like unassuming countryside, like mm -hmm. out of town. Like, you know, um, we got a lot of like great, like um, Grenoble in Grenoble. Oh, the best pizza in the world, like ah. best pizza in the world. And there's like, Very interesting. and there's like Thirty pizzerias side by side with student apartments on on top, like cheap apartments mm -hmm. on top, and 
it, it, you know, I guess it's a very, it's a well-known university there and research center for optics and other things. And, and I mean, the food in general was great. The pizza was like, you could go and like these exotic ingredients and things like every pizza joint was a different thing completely. It was like really, really neat. Yeah. So, yeah. Way, way, way back in the day, um, my dad was a ski instructor in Grenoble. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he, I mean, like, he was, like, in his, like, 20s or whatever. Yeah. But he just, like, fondly, I've, yeah, obviously it's, I wasn't it, around at it's that an, time. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. town. It's a nice town. Yeah. There's, like. Uh, he loved his time there. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And it's not in the mountains, I mean, really, but I mean, it's, which is better because you see on one side, like you turn one, there's a huge, like big, you know, rock that sticks out like a couple of thousand feet, whatever, like huge. Mm -hmm. And there's like a gondola that goes on top. So we actually, my friend and I went up to practice mm -hmm. and at the edge of that, like towards Lyon is just valley. Like it's just flat. So you can see like for miles and miles and miles there's nothing and then you turn around and the mountains, the mountains are right are there. there it's like oh my god it's kind of like calgary or banff you know like mm -hmm. that it's this it's oh it's the setting is just awesome yeah and the food was awesome and yeah. lyon lyon the food is awesome mm. all around there like it's just great and i i stayed in the Kersiblin for a while you might not know where that is but it's like more in the southwest okay. so where the lot rivers and the gargonne and these like kind of they call them fleuves they're like big rivers that actually go into the ocean mm -hmm. and um so it's between bordeaux and toulouse for example uh, so in that area so it's foie gras country uh, but the food like the the even like they make a they call it aiola, but it's like mashed potatoes with lots of garlic and other things mm. and cheese, whatever kind of cheese it is. It's just oh my God. awesome. It's just awesome. You're me hungry. And all it is, is like, it's like their version of like regional comfort food, mm -hmm. like, you know, but it's so good. And then we would, we would always go and look for the, the, the fresh, the, the farmer's markets, like mm -hmm. they travel. And so like every Tuesday it's one town and every Wednesday it's a different town. But so they just, the farmers just go around the, the, every town every day. Right. And so just, and there's like just the farmer's market, they have like cooked, they, they like, you know, like meat pies and like these kinds of things, like, you know, their own foie gras and cheese and all like, all you need is, and you know, so you go there, there's a baker. And right. so you get bread and these things like go out for a picnic and it's better than so many restaurants. Like, you know, like so much, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. I so agree. this, this lifestyle I could do with, like yes. I could do that. Like, this. Do, you have, do you have any place in Orlando that you feel like that you've enjoyed a... My 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 wife meal? yeah my wife is a great cook so so you mostly I just, we eat in a lot in and a so lot, okay. and and she makes like different things you know and her mom like for example makes the best pickled beets in the world and so that's my Christmas gift every year I all I ask for is pickled beets so she makes me a box full of jarred homemade pickled beets last me through a month but. <laughs> But yes, and they're kind of <laughs> Swedish, you know, but they're sweet, but they're like, there's, oh, they're very good. And, um, but, you know, we make, we, you know, she makes the bread every day. And yeah. so you know, wow. that's always good. And so, yeah, I mean, eating out is, is, is tough in the sense that, I mean, I, we do once in a while, you know, mm -hmm. obviously, 
but uh, and I like the place that you know I like to to walk to a place you know like yeah. I like the the local you know Greek or you know there's a local sandwich place so I go I just so take a walk to, you don't probably don't go to Kelly's huh if you don't do sweets I don't uh, I don't I like there we have like many sweet place sweets places right? around yeah. our house uh -huh. and uh, but you know I don't do that so don't do that? and then even like my family my my well my oldest son cooks more savory like he cooks more savory stuff and my youngest son when he comes to to the house like he's just in the land right he's is uh, at Stetson and so he comes home every second weekend or so and he's always baking something to impress some girl or something like you know and it's always good yeah, like he's, right. he's good yeah. I mean I I can understand I can relate I mean <laughs> you know my wife and I the ver our very first date was we went to a movie with uh, like it was three three people like so two ladies and myself like just I'm just saying. And you went just, on a date with two ladies? Yes. It was just like her and her best friend. And we just went out to see a movie. Anyways, okay. it was, but then we got to talking after. So, oh, you love desserts. I love desserts. Like, you know, that was the early nineties. And so, um, and so we like, basically I, I made her a pears and wine pie, which is, you know, simple to make. So it's one was my specialty because mm -hmm. it's fairly easy to make. And then a few, a couple, maybe a, few days later she calls me up and and she said uh, oh i made you a seven layer sour cream cake are you interested <laughs> and nine months later my oldest son was born that's that's <laughs> how so food has a big part in our you know Fair that, enough. and that happened yeah today's the 19th yeah. so yesterday was our 27th anniversary oh my goodness and happy and, anniversary yes and and today is the day that that uh, my son was manufactured. So, yeah, 27 <laughs> years ago. Seven years ago, yeah. today. Today. Like he's, he turned 26 like in December. So it's literally true. Like, I'm not joking. Right. Yeah. Oh, he was born not the day he was, after you. No, he was born, like he was made. He was made the day after. The day after our first date. Yeah. And then he was born, after, obviously, nine months later. Right. You know? And uh, that's it. That was that, that's, <laughs> that's not a complicated story. All right. We're, we're, we're actually going to get into the story, um, your stories, so we can um, visit all these things. But story is so fascinating because we don't get to choose a lot of things. We don't get to choose the family that we're born mm -hmm. into, mm -hmm. the place in the universe, the time, um, our DNA. Like there's so much that we don't have yeah. control over and we're just kind of put onto this earth and then we're obviously all trying to figure it out as we go along. Mm -hmm. But um, I would love to have you share a little bit about kind of like what it was like for you in your, you know, your family of origin, your siblings growing up, um, yeah. what, what the vibe kind of in your family was like and what that. Well, okay. Like. It's, 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 uh, it's pretty cool actually. So um, I won't go like, generations back so i'm just going to talk about my immediate family because sure. right? there's some interesting we, stories yeah, we, back we might be here for but um yeah exactly exactly yeah. but um so my mom and dad were madly in love every time my dad came home from work there was like a 20 minute kiss in mm -hmm. the in the you know the the lobby of the house like uh which we built ourselves like so it basically my dad was in, an was an electrician outside of montreal, montreal yeah okay. so basically like i was born in montreal 
per se. My my father worked as an electrician in the construction business, you know, like in big projects. He did like uh, bridge lighting, that kind of like these big, big projects. And so, uh, but he he quickly, uh, my mother was a, a school teacher. So he quickly found a job further up north in a hospital like in Saint-Jean. So it's the regional town. It's maybe 30,000 people in the town. and But it's a big, big hospital. It's a regional hospital. And um, because he could get, uh, he had longer vacations and he could get uh, unpaid leave every year, like as much uh-huh. as he wanted. And so... As much as he wanted. Yeah, basically. And so he just always harmonized. He always took like a week and a half uh, in the fall to go like in the woods bow hunting um, on his own well with friends, with friends whatever but like okay. hundreds of miles north like you know just get away from it right so that was one one thing that was one thing but he always harmonized his time off with my mom's which mm. was two months in the summer basically and right. then a little bit in, in the holidays. holidays and so um i literally like so we built our own house right and on a, a piece of land that's you know a few acres uh, not that big, but there's a river that ran through it, and there, it was dammed to make a pool. So it was like a natural pool with the with current. Like I mean, it was just always clean and always beautiful, always cold. Um, and um, be, and the nuns, the nuns used to own. Uh, it was a an, an, uh, religious order to to for uh, as a retreat, a summer retreat for the nuns on your property. No, that's what we bought them from. Oh, like we okay. bought them from this religious order. Like we, my dad bought the land. And so there was a small cabin the size of this room. Right. So which we lived in for a year while we were building the house. And then we moved into the house. Right. So I was eight years old at the time. So from that point on, basically, I grew up in the woods. Mm. Um, my And we took vacations. Like we were on vacation that the day school ended Mm -hmm. until she had to come back a week before school. We were out. Like we would get dumped by airplane, by beaver, you know, the airplane, the bush plane. um, Out at the mouth of a, uh, the mouth at the source of a river. Okay. And then canoe camping for six weeks or whatever, seven weeks down the river up up until we got back to the van, which was parked at the bottom at the at the bottom of the like at the at the mouth of the river what? at the estuary you know and so and did you have siblings yeah one brother one brother yeah, okay yeah. so four of you yeah and so um so we like they would plan these vacations like months ahead of time and i could hear them like through the floor of my bedroom upstairs and uh you know like drying meat and like pemmican uh, like jerky i guess you'd call it but uh-huh. homemade jerky all that stuff but most of the stuff we ate we we made got from the woods and the river along the river we were coming down like it's true like real nature like not no no human activity like you get dumped by a plane and that's it you're on your own for seven weeks whatever and so that those it was very idyllic you know childhood like when you think about it so um and what it did is that you know i talk a lot now but i used to not talk a lot because Hmm. you didn't need to my father didn't talk a lot and I didn't talk a lot and I, you know, I was not social because, I mean, I had friends, a few friends. I, I was a, a cross-country skier and a cross-country runner as, a, as, a, as you know, all, you know, pre-teens to teenage, teenage up to college. Mm-hmm. And so I was a competitive athlete, but in these sports, hmm. solitary Very, yeah. sports, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's who I was until I 
decided to go into music, which, well, so my dad passed away when I was 15. I actually had to finish the house on my own. The house was still not complete. Like, oh my gosh. The second floor and stuff like was nothing and stuff. So like the, the finishing part. Was that um, pretty unexpected or was Oh, it? completely. He died of a heart attack playing hockey. Like we skied like a thousand kilometers, like six, seven, eight hundred miles a week. And like, he was very in shape. He played right. Like he played three hockey games a week at night during the night because, you know, getting the rink is hard. And so like whatever, he, he put this alarm clock at one o'clock and go up oh, to play goodness. his game and come back and right. sleep and then go to work, you know. So it's very in shape and everything. It's just like it's just one of these things that, uh, you know, he, a congenital uh, problem that uh, right. my brother and I tested out of you know but but anyway so uh and he was a my father was a very interesting character so he had a fourth grade education then he went back to trade school to get his electrician card mm -hmm. you know but it's very very smart uh he had several inventions which he never patented because he didn't have that kind of smarts but um he made his own tools he made like you know um like somebody came to him like a we have a, a very well-known retailer like for uh um, outdoor gear and uh, uh, like outfitting, you know, like, like uh, can, can you, can you kayak? Like yeah. it's like a, in Montreal, it's like a big company um, that would, I don't know what the equivalent would be here, but like the North Face maybe or something like that. Like, you yeah. know, very well-known right. brand and stuff. So he came like in the seventies, like um, to, he called my dad on a Saturday and he says, Hey, listen, I, uh, I understand that uh, you're pretty smart and you could figure this out. I'm looking for, I, I, I'm making this this uh, new this canoe out of Kevlar, which is brand new at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and I want to see that are adjustable every every which way, like every way possible. And of course, a canoe is nothing straight in a canoe, so it's a little bit of a challenge. challenge. And so, my father said, Kevlar, I don't know what that is, so I want to see it before I commit to anything. So, he brought the that same day brought that that's the CEO of that company, like you know brought the, the canoe and the Kevlar canoe says, uh, bring me a, an axe or something. So he bring a big axe and, you know, dent the canoe, put it back like it. And it, of course he asked my dad to take it off the car and it weighed nothing. The gunwales weren't on it. Like there was no hardware. It was right. literally like 18 pounds, you know, like whatever. It was super light. And uh, we spent our, half of our life in a canoe. So, <laughs> but in a cedar canoe that right. weighed 110 pounds, like it was, you know, not big, Solid, yeah. but it was like heavy. Wood, and yeah. so he was like, my dad went, oh, crap, this is good stuff. I'm going to, I'll see what I can do. Uh -huh. The next morning, he had the prototype built. Like, the canoe was fitted. Like, the gunwales were made. Everything was made. And uh, so he called us. The guy said, yeah, I have something to show you. So if you want to come and see it. And the guy came that Sunday. Right. And he's like, I thought you'd show me a drawing or something. Like, no, no, it was all made. Fully it was all done. And also, my dad was like a, a sharpshooter. Mm. Like with the bow and arrow, especially, but uh, he had to survive. Like as a kid, he actually uh, was a lumberjack as a kid. So, and it's a uh, in the winter time because it's coniferous mm. trees, and so and they were one man, That's one man pretty, team. Pretty uh, and then you would see a human being once a week when the team of horses came to pick up the your Hi. cuts and like and your logs, right. and then bring you. You're just solo. Solo in the woods. In the woods at 13 years old. Like I'm not joking. This is this was his life. That's why he went back to trade school because right. he didn't want that life for the long run. But it's very very hard. So, but anyways, um, so he was a sharpshooter, and um, and so he actually ended up coaching the Canadian Olympic archery team. Oh. And he also popularized cross country skiing in the late 60s uh, in Quebec. And so he coached. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, you're gonna laugh, but it's Steve Harvey, but it's like a different Steve Harvey. Okay. Uh, I th but uh, I think it's Steve. But anyways, Harvey is like a, a Olympic uh, cross country skier who's the father of the current coach of cross country skiing for the Canadian Olympic team. So you know, so he, my father, uneducated, is one of the few people who mm. coached in both the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics different sports. Like. Did he Very few people go in to history. The Olympics? No, no, no. Okay. He just coached, he them, just coached them, and they didn't have money to go. Like the, he coached the. It, it was in Sydney in '68, right? The Olympics, the Summer Olympics. So didn't have money to go to Sydney. Ah, no, 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 no. He just coached the them, prepare them, then go do your thing. Doesn't like cover that. What's that? The government? No, 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 no. Cover that. <laughs> this was the time of pure amateurism. Like this is not. This ah, was. There was no sponsorships or no, nothing like that. No, okay. no, 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 no. no. So, so he, the team just went off and did their thing. Yeah, yeah. And then he, okay. And 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 the team was just two people. It's not okay. like it was a big contingent, but I mean, right. I mean that's the fact remains. He was just an interesting character, you know, and yeah. very very social, very popular. He was a fiddler. It was a good, he, that's how I got but introduced to music. Talk much? He was no, he was a, he was a, a well. That, I shouldn't say that. Like he was a he was a prankster. He was a joke teller. Okay. But when he came back home. Like his talking was done. Like ah. and and in the morning he was like I am the same way. In the morning I'm not a talker. I don't want to talk in the morning. I so he was the same way. So he just yeah. like so you know. Uh, so you saw he showed by example, mm -hmm. and that's the way you know that he, that we learned what we learned. You know. Right. Fair and uh, so, but he was an interesting character. And then my mom is also an interesting character because she was a school teacher and. She had us, and that was in the 60s, the mid-60s. And so uh, she, after five years, she went back to work. But they wouldn't give her a full-time position back. So she was always like a long-term uh, replacement. Like it was, she had a 99% uh, load, you know, not 100%. So she didn't get any of the benefits, you know, the, the, the benefits. And so yeah. at some point, like after, and then, of course, in 1980, my dad passed away. And anyway, mm. so in her 50s, she quit. And she said, you know, I'm never going to get a real good pension or anything like that. Like, what's the point? So right. she quit. She went back to law school. She already had oh. done like three bachelor's and a master's degree in education, night school, all the time that she was she was uh, uh, teaching and, uh, and, and raising a family. Right. And then uh, she quit all that and she went to law school and she became a very a highly specialized law. So she went more, she did more schooling. So in other words, she went out of, she came out of school at 56 57 and then she started her own practice <laughs> and and so she's That's it's, a story and she started a a um adult literacy program like she wow. was always very very involved in the community and stuff and civically involved yeah always yeah. like uh, not like on a in a public way always like in a very like right. uh, indirect way like she got paid in fresh eggs and chickens mm. you know for mm -hmm. her legal services and all the time like and, and she would bring like as a teacher She was very good. So she, they would sometimes basically put all of the problem kids together and give them to her. And that was her 99% load for the year. She didn't have a full class because she had, let's say, 20 kids instead of 30. Right. But they were all the problem kids from the school. Like, and they did just because, you know, she taught in an elementary school in a rural town, like a small to town. navigate. Oh, and she brought them home for lunch and like some of them, like, you know, like every, a different batch every day, because of right. course she couldn't, we had a van so we could fit a few, but she wouldn't like, she, you know, so mm -hmm. that kind of, that kind of person, you know, that kind right. of t-shirt. And so, um, does she ever 
remarry? No. No. She she's so still she's young. still around. She's uh oh yeah, she's 82 now. She's going to be 83 next month. And uh she I tried to set her up with like the the uh director of the music program at one of my colleges where I studied and he was like a single guy, very interesting guy and nice guy. <laughs> she went like she, because I I was playing, so it was the excuse, you know. Right. So come see me play with yeah, you yeah. know. And so <laughs> No way. It's, she still talks to my dad, like, uh, you know, she's still involved in love with my dad. And like, she just like, Aww. basically like, oh, I'm, I can't wait to go see you again. And, you know, that's, that's, I'm not joking. This is the right. real, this is real. And um, wow. like my, my brother and I all throughout, like, you know, two boys, we're 10 months apart. Okay. Oh. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so. How did they not have like 15 kids? Actually, that's another interesting thing about my mom. Like 1965, after my brother is born, she goes to see the priest, Catholic. It's a mm. Catholic country. Mm -hmm. She goes to see the priest. Hey, I hear there's this new pill going, like, you know, thing coming out. And uh. like, this looks like a good thing because she was like still breastfeeding me when she was pregnant with my brother. Like, this is, and she's 85 pounds, right. like uh, tiny, not five feet tall. Oh, wow. Tiny. And so... Um, some of the acrobats at the circus were similar, like, you know, mm -hmm. tiny, tiny. And, um, and he said, uh, no, that's a sin. You can't do that. Well, she said, bye-bye. <laughs> Cause I'm going on that pill. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And when I was born, my dad was the first husband father to be present at the birth. And Aww. then she, she was hungry, like in labor, she was hungry. She said, I need, I need a steak. Like I need, I need to eat. So the doctor, no, no, you can't eat. You can't eat. And my, my, she says, I'm eating. Go fetch me a steak. And she ate her steak. And she like she was not gonna very strong willed, yeah. independent, like feminist. Like uh, she also was a like a literature expert, like you know, so for Quebecois, French Canadian literature, and so like very knowledgeable. Like mm -hmm. she would, you know, she 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 came up and still used today. So that was in the nineties or. Yeah, in the in the I would say in the mid nineties, maybe she mm -hmm. came out with the education, like the the education program to teach law in the schools from kindergarten to college. She is the author of that program that's still being used today. Right. So, like, smart, yeah. smart lady. You know, is she still in Canada? Yeah, she's in Canada. I she unfortunately she she suffers from Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. and it's progressing, and she's a wanderer, and so. She used to spend the winters with us, but last winter, like she, I, I brought her uh, for a couple of weeks for mm -hmm. the holidays. You know, I flew her down with my brother, but but aside from that, like I, I can't have we mm -hmm. can't have her anymore for like months on end because right. it's it, the last time she came, like, it was like a ten hour a day sure. job, like it was a full time job just to keep track of where she was oh, and no. what she was doing. You know, right? So, um, but she's happy where she is. I call her every day and she laughs and you know I make her laugh every day. So that's that's yeah. it. You know. But, uh, what but were, what were you like kind of in like middle school and high school? Uh, loner, a loner. uh, yeah, I, a loner. I, I didn't, I, I took all of the sciences classes, the science classes. I didn't take any of the music classes. You I didn't had take any music classes. No, no, no. Did you play, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, my father was a fiddler and there were jam sessions at my house two, three times a week. So, okay. never an audience, just musicians and beer. <laughs> and so, I, I always like sat in the staircase, never said a word until I was 12 years old. And I said, Hey, you guys don't have a drummer. Like it, would you be interested in 
like I I'd like to participate. Maybe mm-hmm. I can contribute something. And so I'm not joking. My father grabbed me by the ear, almost literally, like right then and there. And he brought me to a jazz guitarist in town, in the town, like not in our town, like in the close where the, the city where he worked at the hospital. So it's like it's eight and a half miles away. Like, it's, mm. you know, it's not like next door. Right. And, uh, and he had planned this whole thing. He was just waiting for me to, to say something. Mm-hmm. And, and so I took lessons, three lessons a week uh, because my father didn't read music. You know, and he and, and his mom was a accomplished fiddler who was on television and things all by year, you know. And so he said, Whatever you do, you're gonna learn about reading and theory before mm-hmm. you do anything else. And so for a whole summer I had and like basically what I learned in that summer, my, my mom still has the workbook that I filled, completely filled with the homework that he gave me. Mm-hmm. I w- I did six years of college and I've you know, I have like another 36 years of experience after that, you know, and I have not learned anything yet that he, that, that guy did not teach me in that one summer when I was 12 years old. And so, really, yeah, it's like he went through music from A to Z in two months, and just three times a week. And just you with everything that you needed to the foundational. I've, I have not, know. I mean, you know, I learned things like Schenkerian analysis, which is completely useless. Like these things in college that are useless, but I, I learned a few things, but that are useless. All the useful stuff that I use now What's today, from him? I learned it all in one summer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then at the end of the summer, like my, my teacher told my dad, hey, okay, he, he can read music. Like he knows his stuff. Like he can write music. He's good. So, and that's what he declared, you know, at the end of the summer yeah. to my dad, like in front of me, like this young man can now read, kind write. Setting you loose. He, he can like, the, he, he's yeah. equipped. Like he's got what he needs to do, what he needs to do in music. And so my father said, okay, so what instrument do you want to play? I said, drums. <laughs> That's a joke, but it's true. It's, okay. It's a, I wanted to play drums, which I did. Did you play drums? I, I, and from that moment on, I played drums. I had yeah. lessons and everything. So I was, you know, twelve and thirteen and fourteen, mm-hmm. and I got to high school, and I wanted to play in the big in the big band, which was after school, because I was I was going to be a physicist. Like Stephen Hawking was my hero and like you know like i read all these books and all the like richard Feynman book like when i was a kid like you know i, I used to huh. read these books and so um and my ironically my son has studied physics now he's you know but it's anyways um so he went the other way around right. but uh, but anyway so i um that's basically my story and what happened is i i went to the big band and and a great drummer who still plays we ended up being one of my colleagues you know for many years um played the drums in the big mm-hmm. band in that little town you know and uh so i said oh you already and he was a good player obviously he's still to this day he's a professional musician so uh so the the director said well i don't need a drummer i would have a great drummer but i said well what do you need he said i need a tenor player who can play clarinet i said okay so my mom got me a clarinet and a tenor, and uh, and I, you know, and I learned Set that, down. and I played mm-hmm. that, and I, I played in the big band for high school, so during high school, okay. so, which is only three years for us. And then my dad died when I was fifteen, yeah. my last year of high school, because I skipped a couple of grades when I was little. I was like so, say, I was. Yeah. Well, we get to college a year sooner than you do here. We have two years of free college, or you can do a third year and become a nurse or a lab technician or these kinds of technical skills like uh-huh. a CSI tech, tech, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, lab technician of any kind uh, or plastics molding and uh, technician in factories, these kinds of 
technical things. Or and or you go to university after, which a bachelor is only three years. It's not four years because you. But so that you have to pay for like three thousand dollars a year, whatever. Uh, still to this day, it hasn't really gone up a lot. Um, More than three thousand dollars a year. Not really. No, no. Right. If you live there, like that's pretty much it. But right. I, at the end of my six-year post-secondary education career, I owed ten thousand dollars total. That sounds w- a pretty fair, fair w- deal. With, which I paid within a year. Because of the earnings I got from my education, as as a direct result of my education. Anyways, people say that there's no money in in music, but I always had made money. You know, I always survived. So Mm -hmm. anyways, um, so my dad, so there's a a deadline to apply to this CIGEP, which is this junior college, let's call it that. So you can understand. So junior college, which is free, tuition free completely. Um, And so I, I like maybe a week before that deadline, my dad passed away. So I all of a sudden kind of took stock of my life and, you know, maybe a teenage frustration and angst or whatever energy that needed to come out. I said, I don't think I want to sit at a desk and think about the universe right now. Anyways, I don't see myself doing that right now. So, mm-hmm. so I said, I think I'm going to go into music. And so, I put that down the, the day before the deadline, and then I sent it in to three colleges. And then I got the you know letters back and say, okay, what instrument do you play to set up the audition and stuff? And I said, oh, clarinet and tenor that. I didn't really choose those instruments, you know? So I, I said, I don't think I want to play that for the rest of my life, right? So I went around the band room and I the trumpet was the one instrument I could not make a sound out of. So I put the trumpet down and I sent my letters back and then I had six weeks to learn to play oh to apply for college so you had not played trumpet but you applied mm-hmm. that you had that you played trumpet well I I just said that's what I wanted to audition on oh, that's what I want right. that's what I want to do and so uh, I went to see the vice principal for my grade you know and I said uh, listen I can just make trouble or you find me a room and I because I need to practice I've got this thing this goal and I, I and, and I had like I was a straighty student like I was, a, I, uh, I had like, there they didn't used to be three digits on the report cards. So I had 99 and all my, but in all my subjects, basically, except for math, uh, sometimes I hovered in the nineties, but you know, but so I had 99. So you're very studious. I was and le- yeah, just, a, just love na- a natural, I guess I had like a natural hack, knack, knack, <laughs> a natural knack for school. You know, mm-hmm. which is different than intelligence or anything else. It's just a knack for taking tests and whatever. Mm. So, and I never took notes in class or nothing like that. Like I, I did my homework all the time, but I, I just had, it, was just, it, it came easy. My, my oldest son is the same. It came easy to him the whole time. Anyways, so, um, so he found me a room and then I would, I brown bag, you know, and I got in the first, and I, that's when I exactly then that I stopped sports. Like I stopped running. I stopped, like I, I quit my, the two teams that I was on and I said, okay, I can't do that. I don't have time. So I and this just, was starting the junior college. Yeah. That was yeah. like six weeks before the action. So in the spring, so it's like, like in April and May. So the May was the, the, the audition for college. And I applied for all three. I went to did my, did my audition and I, I all colleges, mm. all three places, because they could tell I had very good ear training, sight singing, you know, I was like, I could read and well and sing, you know, at sight reading, mm-hmm. which is a skill, you know, and not every high school kid has, is strong at that, you know, and I was good at that. And so, because I had already st- had, yeah, I started of, at yeah. 12 years old. So, you know, uh, outside of school in a more intense manner. Anyways. So, um, 
So basically, uh, they all asked me, how long have you been playing trumpet? I said, well, six weeks now. And that's, the last one was like seven weeks. I said, oh, okay. You know, and they all, I got in all three colleges. Mm. So um, they were smart enough to ask the right question, you know, because <laughs> I didn't play very well, you right. know, but they could, they, like, they could, like, this guy is a pretty good musician. And I played the hardest, like, a, I opened the book that I was told to get. It was used. And so, and it opened at the Carnival of Venice, which is one of the hardest pieces to play. And that's what I learned. You know, so that's what I played for them because that's the only piece I knew right. because I had to figure out the fingerings as I learned by myself, you know. So um, anyways, um, so that's my story. Yeah. It's in a nutshell. That's what it is. So I tend to take up challenges that are perhaps a little stupid, maybe you <laughs> could say, but I. Well, challenging. You'd like to yeah, see, I, see something that you would feel is a challenge to be able to kind of set a goal for yourself and be able to rise to the challenge. Yes. That and at the same the time, like choice. there's, there's this kind of, uh, I think that came from my father, this kind of like a, uh, perhaps self-confidence that I mm -hmm. had certainly had as a young man that, um, kind of like emanated from me mm -hmm. that I always ended up punching above my weight. Like right. my first studio session as a sure. trumpet player was six months after I started playing and the other players were not beginners like they were like the montreal symphony bass trombone player like and so forth like it was i was like oh my I, he was doing exercises that i didn't think were possible on trumpet on bass trombone like it was it blew my mind right. but i was hired for that job and i kept i've like i started teaching at mcgill at 21 uh you know i didn't have a master's degree i i just got my when i auditioned i I don't think I had my bachelor's in my hand. Like I had it, like I, that year was finished, right. but I got it after I, I got the job. Like I was that, that's how, you know, and I taught there for 10 years in the jazz department. Like it's, you wouldn't think that this is, this is certainly not the standard route that would be taken nowadays, definitely. And even back then, like sure. it's just, I was, I had to shave my head to to go past the secretary to get to to make copies and stuff she always 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 i was younger than most of my students in ah, in my my class okay. and so like i couldn't get to the office like no this is uh, close to students this is for staff only yeah. it's like oh. so i shaved my head to appear older because i was ah. at 21 I was young looking you know right. obviously <laughs> i look old now but i didn't always look that this way you know so how can you tell us the story of kind of how you landed in Orlando and what you what like what yeah. your trajectory since college so, was? Well, after I mean, ten years at McGill, during which time I was also freelancing and you know touring when school wasn't in session mostly. Uh, and uh, basically, what happened um, is in 1996, uh, I got a call from Cirque du Soleil. Because they had, I, I used to play in a lot of big bands and conduct a lot of big bands and and other groups and things, and I used to write for this one group um, a, for a series of four concerts that were not society. Like this, this was a society band, but they also wanted to do like art music, right? So I would write uh, four different shows for them every year, which I conducted that band, like it was my band, yeah. Okay. And so. Um, and uh, a scout from Cirque du Soleil was at one of these concerts and he saw me and the, my relationship. It was at the Brazilian concert. So the Brazilian rhythm section and it's the singers lovely. and things. And it's it's yeah. beautiful music. And, uh, you know, and and I, I they were all my friends. The Brazilian were all my friends. And the big, the big band obviously was all my friends. So it was a, a very, you know, 
I guess, satisfying experience for everyone on stage and for the people in the audience. Anyway, so he called me and he says, uh, yeah, we're opening a show called O in Orlando, in uh, Las Vegas. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. I said, to do what? To conduct the show. I said, uh, I hate Vegas. I'm sorry. And I hung up on him. So I'm not really? joking. I'm not joking. And so, but two months later, I, I read in the, in the paper. I in Vegas. I, I you hate. Not pay me enough I hate, money. Well, that's it. I hate Vegas, I hate and Vegas. I and I when we had three kids with a you know a, you know a, I mean two kids and then the third on the way basically, uh, unbeknownst to us, uh, <laughs> um, at the time. But um, so two months later, I read in the paper that they were opening a show in Orlando, mm. and I called the same guy back. I said, "Hey, I can do Orlando. I can see myself moving to Orlando." And he says. What a coincidence! I'm going to a meeting right now, and we're going to talk about that. And so the, he said, "Hey, I, I have the, I have your conductor. It's fine." So I never auditioned for it. Right. I just like they, they wanted me, and I, I said yes. And the composer, like I used to do a lot of studio work, like I said, and uh, I was a studio musician mostly. And one of the things I did was a, a television show called Omerta, which is a like a mob police series. And so, just to give you an idea. Uh, 4.2 million people watch that series every week, every Monday night, um, out of 6 million French speakers in the in the country, right? Oh. So it's a small, it's a small, I mean it's a big place, but with a small population. So you 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 combine the Olympics, like election night and uh the Super Bowl, and that's what you got every week for that show. And the voice of that show was uh -huh. the muted trumpet, which I was playing. And so uh -huh. I was pretty well known. Like I, I was on TV all the time on talk shows, like all our talk shows have live bands. And so like, I, I would like, I was never in a house band, but I was always like every week I was on the television, on television. So I was, so the composer knew me, knew my work. Okay. So he says, Oh, great. I fantastic. I get this guy, you know? So it's, so it was a very easy. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, and yeah. and then it allowed me yeah. to also to do things like my way. So I so I met with the composer. I said, "What instrumentation?" There was no bass. I said, "Up." Oh. I walk out, no bass, no band. I walk out, and so he changed his mind. I was able to work something. So I turned around. You know, obviously the classic scenario, but um, but and and then so on and so forth. Like I chose the musicians myself uh, instead of going through casting because I said that doesn't work like that. I'm not gonna. I need to know that those guys or, or ladies will get along music. And mm -hmm. personally, we're gonna spend like You're ten shows a, a week mm -hmm. for decades. Like it, those shows stay together for a long time, mm -hmm. which they did. They did. And and I had essentially my guitar player. Eventually, like I had the turnover on my guitar player. But that's it. And my bass player left because he was tapped to conduct another sex show. So that's not that doesn't really count. Right. Like, because so essentially, I kept my band together for. 18 years and then wow. one more year because I actually quit before a year before the show closed because I knew what was coming. coming. And, and they told, you know, and it was a lot of like all, everybody wants to find a job before this thing closes and then you're out of work, you know? Right. And so they all kind of scatter okay. and then right. that means new people have to come in and then that's extra rehearsals and I just didn't want to do it. And it's like, I said, oh, I've been doing this show for long enough. I know the show by heart. I don't need to do all these extra rehearsals. It's just not fun. Right. So I quit a year early. But the writing that on the wall. Exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, it's time for me 8,500 times doing the same show. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. It's enough. You know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I saw, I saw four of those 8,500 times. Well, you saw I, me all four times. I said, yeah, four times, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Loved yeah. it. 
So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow Mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. And it's, I had a good band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so everything that, you know, like essentially, you know, like I, I gave them my conditions, you know, and stuff, but it worked out. Like everything worked out fine. Like they would send me to Vegas regularly or other places mm. to give workshops to the other conductors because my show worked like every time, like it never crashed. Nothing ever mm. bad ha- ever happened. Like all in this whole time, like, you know, so that's oh. what brought you to Orlando. Yes. Sig yeah. Soleil brought me to Orlando. And then this, the, the, the nature of the work, the fact that we were off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the beginning of the run, that meant that we never, back then in Orlando, we never saw good shows. Like it was, it's not possible. To see a good show on a, a Tuesday night or Wednesday night, there was no such thing, and so there were there were good shows on Friday nights and and, and Saturday nights, yes. but not. But I worked; I right. couldn't do it. Like I was got home at eleven fifteen, you know, and with kids in school and stuff. Like I was uh, I was up at uh, six o'clock. Like it's I can't go up and go out another hour to see like the last set of a like it's not right. fun, you know. It's like so. That's how we started our concerts at the house because yeah. we couldn't find anything. I said, you know, let's do something yeah. early, short, like, you know, easy, you know. And so we had one and then people asked her, when's the next one? Oh, didn't think of that. And then so yeah. that's how they grew to what they are now. So so what is it now that you have created? Well, we have this nonprofit that's been together, like that's been around for almost 20 years. It's going to be 20 years in, uh, in uh, September. And uh, we've presented now uh, 920 shows as of, you know, February 2020. Right. Um, we have 100 shows a year. That's private concerts. And I, I, I can call them concerts, but they're like events. Uh, private? We do, like, I mean, are they open to the public? I mean, public. I, did I say private? Uh-huh. I meant public. Public okay. events. Public events. Um, and like, because we do theater, we do film, we do like, uh, like once a month, like we do something literary, we call it wordplay. Hmm. And so we, we have like every, like Sunday nights are our bread and butter. Right. And so are, like, those are the mostly the they're ones f- that I've been to. free concerts, like yeah. they're pay what you want, you know? Right. And so, but you could call them free concerts. There's no fixed ticket price. And then, um, so every month we have a jazz event, a, a classical event, a world, we called it world event, meaning folkloric music of any kind like could be latin music could be you know mm. americana whatever sure. um indian music um and then one the last sunday of the month you know most months have four sundays uh is the wordplay event and so let's call them events so public events about a hundred a year we teach composition for free at the library during school sessions on sunday afternoons yeah. to anyone musical background or not um 
And uh, we have private events also because, of course, the venue is in our home. And so we have private events. People rent the space to do their own events. Um, Did you um, get that... Like, have you been in that home for 22 years? No, no. We we started in a normal suburban home, which, you know, like we were flown to Orlando in August before the fall of 98 for five days to find a place to live. So most people just kind of went to the same three apartment complexes. I had three, like my youngest was nine months when he when we moved. So mm-hmm. he would have been six months. I said, I'm not going in an apartment with three young children oh, yeah. under school age. Like it's not going to happen. And so I actually rented a car and then I hired a real estate agent and I visited 104 houses in oh, five Lord. days. And because I'm looking for a place that sounds good. I'm a trumpet player right. and I'm not going to practice in the living room. That sounds <laughs> like crap. You know, it's just, ah. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Why, why would I want to do that? And so, so acoustics were the important, telling, right? The oh yeah, yeah. Very important. Okay. And you know, of course, you know, That's good school and stuff. Like, so, you know, <laughs> with the research I'd done, and the internet, which was much more basic back then, sure. uh, from Montreal, I said, you know, the south, the south side of town looks like, you know, Hunters Creek had good school, like good mm. reputation school and stuff. So I ended up, and I looked in Dr. Phillips and other places, you know, that were the obvious choices in 1998. It has changed. Um, but, um, and anyway, so I ended up go- buying this 102nd home that I visited uh, because it sounded the best. And so we had the concert there. I, you know, tore down the wall because, like, you know, it wasn't, it was open, but not that open, you know? Okay. And after the first few concerts and then another, and then basically there was nothing else to tear down. And uh, that was it. We, we reached the capacity sure. of the of the place when we had our and first- And this was in Hunter's Creek? In Hunter's Creek. Okay. And parking was an issue and I didn't want to antagonize my neighbors and stuff. So right. we started looking for a place in 2004 and we found this place- in Sodo now, um, mm-hmm. south of downtown. And so it's right across from Boone High School, but where uh, Blankner used to be. So because of the way the buses, like this very, Summerlin is very wide there. There's a park at the end with a parking lot mm-hmm. and we have a street at the other, yeah. on the other side. And so I said, and we're basically at the confluence of I-4, uh, 408 and the turnpike i said for anyone who wants to come either play here or see something here it's very central, it's very central easy yes. to get to so you know this is a good place and mm-hmm. so we that's and we designed and built the, the house was it that open when you found the house oh like, the house did not exist i designed and built this house that oh yeah yeah oh, oh yeah this is i did not know that. oh yeah yeah this is my design. It's ah. not my favorite design, but this design we, I had to use because the, the it's a square lot. It's a small square mm-hmm. lot. My favorite design was a long and narrow uh, space, uh, house, mm-hmm. because it means the lobby is more isolated from the, the, the venue. It means that all kinds of things are better that way, but that's how it happened. So that was my third choice. But uh, we found a lot around Lake Davis that was... Um, exactly what we wanted lot wise Mm -hmm. but parking was an issue and the Mm -hmm. lot was prohibitively expensive we it was more than what we were planning to spend for the entire thing so i said that's not gonna happen so we were very happy with the place we ended up in sure and uh and then you know i i i got a permit after the fact like so after seven Mm -hmm. years of being there um i we started contemplating the the nonprofit, the foundation the arts foundation Purchasing the home so that we could have access to some grants that are not available if the if the the nonprofit does not own the venue, and so mm. uh, 
so I asked some, I had some zoning questions for the city. And so I emailed the zoning person and he said, uh, yes, we were very interested in meeting with you. Um, please show up at that time at that room, you know? So it was a conference room and like everybody was there and I was by myself. Like I didn't know better. And so there were like 12 people, the fire marshal, the building director, the zoning, the planning director, like everybody was there. And it's like, what exactly are you doing there? And like, mm -hmm. so I told them and they said, okay, well now you're shut down and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, well, you can try, but you're going to have a riot on your hands. Like it's mm. pretty popular place, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we're not. And so what happened is that they asked us to, uh, they requested we apply for a conditional use permit, which we did. And ah. fortunately for us, the person who's now the chair of the board of the Team Arts Foundation is a land use attorney. And she was uh, one of my wife's parents. My wife teaches piano in the house. And so she was, a, she's a neighbor and a parent, one of her parents. And she loves, I mean, all my, my wife, like every student loves her. Like they, she's just so good with the kids, but even with adults. But, um, and so the parents of course love her because she's great with their kids, you sure. know? And so, uh, so she went to bat for us and it was very, it was very easy. But, but we had, so we have, we're, everything is legit. Mm -hmm. Like we do everything by the book from, from the city to the IRS, like everything, like we do everything by the book. And it's been uh, the growth, uh, you know, the first 15 years I paid for everything myself. Like sure. I had a board, but it was a non-functioning board. Like we had our meeting, our annual meeting, but they didn't really need to do anything. I just paid everything, like all of the recording gear, all of the, like the house itself, the venue, the, the piano is like all, everything I paid for myself. You know? right. But then they started talking about, okay, the show's going to close probably in three years. Oh, I have to. So 2014, really I started thinking about, okay, let's, let's bid, let's build the board up. And so we started now it's the, like, basically we've, we've grown not exponentially. It's a linear growth. It's very well-managed growth, but it's about 60% every year. Like we grow by 60% every year, which is like. A lot. You know, no, like it's an important, notable. it's an important growth. Yeah. It's a notable growth rate. And so it's, uh, but we started very small because I never put any of my contributions in the books. You know, that's the way I, because I used to do everything, the accounting, everything. So I kept it under the IRS limit, ah. which meant that we, all I had to do is say, oh, we were under the limit this year. And they sent me the 990, like it was automatic. Like it was just like, and it was fine. It's legit. Like it's legit. Like I wasn't cheating anybody right. because there's nothing to cheat. Like it's just like, in fact, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because a lot of the grants take into account your last three years Previous, worth of yeah. budgets and things mm -hmm. like that. So, so, uh, we pay for it <laughs> right. at the other end, but, but the, 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 the thing is the positive thing is that it's now we're like completely converted into a community supported organization, which is great. And it, because it's a more grassroots, grassroots organizations than most, you. it's a more sustainable and, and mm. um, it's more what I want. Like, I don't want, uh, one company to give us like, you know, a huge chunk of money. Like that's not, I know that people will say you're crazy. It's like, I don't want to win the lottery. I don't want that. Like mm. I want to live my life, earn, you know, earn what I have and, you know, be happy. You know what I mean? Like yeah, lottery, winning the lottery doesn't make you happy. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I would find ways to spend it. Don't worry <laughs> about that because I have a, a mission, you know, in, in right. life. But I mean, but the fulfilling part comes from the actual executing of what you love to do and what you get to do. Absolutely. For and us, for me, it's much more satisfying to 
to have like like you know twenty dollar donations from a bunch thousands of people, of people yeah. rather than have a, a few millionaires that right. uh, you know so <clears throat> i mean we'll take all the money we get but sure it, the model is and has been that that's mm -hmm. that's what happens like you know other organizations their their medium size gifts are fifty thousand dollars like our large size gift is five thousand dollars like you know we don't really get anything bigger than that for right. now um, if we do we do Mm -hmm. but hopefully it will grow accordingly on the grassroots side as well. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. growth for me, like it, it has to come from everywhere. The support has to come from the entire community. When we did apply for that CUP, we did, you have to do a survey 500 feet radius. We went 1500 feet radius and every, like a hundred percent of the people wrote a letter of support for what mm. we do. That means a lot to me. Sure. Of course, like I design the house and I use building systems that mean that, um, and I spent a lot more money for that, like to, to soundproof the house so that they don't hear the neighbors. If they, my immediate neighbor, neighbor to the North or to the South, they don't hear okay. anything Sure. until people leave the room, the house. I, there's a little sign like, please leave the house quietly to not to, you know, to, to respect our neighbors right. and our thing nine o'clock, nine thirty, everybody's out is 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 gone anyways like it's early so it shouldn't matter but i don't want it to be an issue at all mm. and so so we can have a big band in the house and until you open the door you don't hear anything in fact you know boone is right across the street and they have a marching band when they practice right across the street like facing us i can still do some recording uh, wow. You know, if if it's a solo harp, maybe I couldn't do it. But like, if anything louder, like I I can do a, a recording right. while they're practicing across the street. Wow. And as some of those kids don't know that we exist, like you know, right. they don't know that anything's happening. And we've had things at the same time, and nobody no, no, nobody no, notices. No one's the wiser. No. Has there been a, a moment or um, a benchmark or something that in your um, adult world and life of of things that you get to work towards and that you've um, been able to accomplish that you have felt like have been like a really special moment or a special success for you? Well, I've had many. Um, and at the same time, like to me, it's, so I look at obstacles and, uh, like negative things that happen to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I very easily brush them off and I kind of do the same for the successes too. You know what I mean? Like okay. to me, it's all the same. They're all bumps in the road. Some of them are nice and some of them are not nice, but it's like if I appear on a cover of a magazine, it's nice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not a big deal. <laughs> like but for, it's not for you to say like this does mean something to me that I've been able to like put a lot of hard work into well, it to see all of it, like all of what we've like my kids, you know, mm -hmm. um uh all smart all good musicians all smart kids all uh i you know i think knock on glass <laughs> that it, they're all gonna contribute positive things to mm. society and to the world you know um i'm proud of the fact that i taught at mcgill for 10 years uh it's you know the biggest best it's like the harvard it's like we we joke that harvard is america's mcgill it's not the other way around. Miguel was there before. Okay. It's like, it's, 
it's a it's a it's a institution. prestigious institution, yeah. you know. And I got to teach there for ten years. Like it's pretty awesome. That's cool. And I got to you know travel the world and play with like, you know, some of the best drummers in the world and some of the like. I and not not that I deserve to. Like it's not that. It's just like it's cool that I got to play with like Manu Ketchy and you know like Dennis Chambers and all of like I could name like Ed Thigpen like these drummers, uh, you know. Uh, um, uh, that that are like world class, like you know, played with Miles Davis, like that kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. you know, like huge, huge. And I got to play with them, you know, and and you know, and some of the some of them regularly, like more than once, mm-hmm. like you know, it's like it's cool. Um, at the same time, like a lot of it is was before the internet, so a lot of it is like. I tell my kids and they couldn't care less because there's, there's no proof, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. no proof of it, right. but I don't care. And, sure. you know, even like all the appearances on television, like mm, there's a few embarrassing videos of me on, on YouTube, but I mean, 99% are not on mm-hmm. YouTube at all. Like it was before the internet. So, yeah, or before it was a thing, you really like, you know, I mean, I remember at McGill, like the first iterations of the internet was a university network that you had to know the exact address. There was no browsers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, if I wanted to communicate with somebody at the University of Northern Colorado or something, I had to have the exact right spelling of everything. Otherwise, it, yeah, I didn't get there. So, and sure. I did, I, I, we did institute like the first master's degree in jazz at performance at McGill while I was there teaching. So I did the curriculum research and that's what I was doing. It's like, Going on the internet, like finding the libraries and finding the mm-hmm. the course the course uh, loads, you know, like the schedules, mm-hmm. you know, like the score the course offerings of all of the different universities, trying to figure out what we wanted to do for a program and uh, all that kind of stuff, you know. And it was a uh, it's like a big thing, and yeah. you know, trying to find uh, information on the internet without a browser. Try it now, like you right. know, try not <laughs> yeah. to use a browser. It's like we don't have and that. or a search engine. Like not even Reality, not the search yeah. engine, a browser. There was no browser. It was like along pretty- along those same lines. I know that you kind of said successes and and um, negative things, but has there ever been a, a season or or um, a life experience or anything that was like a, a harder thing to be able to kind of experience and move through and kind well, of come out of? Yes. So last year, my our in April eighth. My tuba concerto was performed by uh, OPO. I'm an amateur composer, so that was cool. Um, and then the same night, my daughter called us from uh, from Thailand, actually, and um, that she was diagnosed with uh, myeloid, acute myeloid leukemia. And so that was bad. And then the summer was tough. Um, I was here most of it. I, I and then Elen, we rented a flat in Edinburgh for four months, and mm. Elen lived there for four months. But I kind of went back and forth, but I was here most of the time. We had concerts. I had things to do here. And uh, so that was tough, you know, that's tough. Uh, She's pulled through and she's Mm -hmm. doing very, very well right now. So that's very good. Uh, But that was a tough experience. And um, and then the other other thing that's like, and you're going to see there's no comparison. There's no comparison, but um, every time we have an event that is not well attended, Mm -hmm. it, it is, it crushes me. Like it crushes my soul Mm -hmm. like of course i get i get up the next day and i as if nothing happened like in in this i brush it off but at the moment in the moment like there's nothing like i worked hard not only for the infrastructure like for the whole kind of thing but for that event like i worked hard to make this happen and i want people to enjoy it Mm -hmm. like you know and then when people 
like for whatever reason, sometimes there's like 27 different events in town and I love that and that's great. Right. And or, or it's the, you know, the, the Oscars on television or whatever it is. Uh, for some reason, people don't show up to an event once in a while and it's like, you know, it, it crushes my soul. Right. But... Every time, every time it's an event is well attended, it's the other way around, right? So it's, you know, th- th- this mm. is this is like the, the 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 thing. This is the place where I am now. Is like I basically I I, I put this thing to the world. Like right, I offer right. this thing to the world. All you can do is hope that people come. Right. That's all I can do. And you know, at some point. You know, like we will become a household name in Orlando. You know, we have people who have flown from Boston to see a concert. You know, we're known like in Brazil, there like there's a performer just came last week and he told me the story because his wife is Brazilian and he lived in Brazil. And he says, when I was when I build my tours, I always ask those experienced touring musicians about places to go to in each country well this brazilian guy has five places in the u.s mm-hmm. and we're one of them i don't know that person he's never played at the house sure but we have garnered some kind of reputation mm-hmm. in brazil with his friends that he's that's a reputable like you're gonna enjoy yourself you're gonna be like you're gonna be you're gonna feel welcome you're gonna feel important there like yeah. you have a good experience there and so it doesn't pay a lot but you're gonna have a good experience there and that's so rewarding so, yeah. to know and the same goes like in japan in holland like in brooklyn every band in brooklyn that's hip and they all know us they all want to play like i have a waiting list of bands wanting to play that's like a mile long because mm-hmm. they all want to come it's disproportionate to the reputation we have locally from the audience point of view like mm. it's it it makes little sense to me like sure. it's like we get the best musicians in the world they know about us how is it that people in lancaster park or whatever delaney park right around the corner they don't know about us right you know it's weird um then again, we've never spent a lot of marketing dollars. We never had a lot of dollars to spend on marketing. So sure. we take what we can and we, you know, we do what. We, that is a hard. You know. uh, I mean, as a small business, like running a small business, it is part of the reality of like you have this thing that you want to offer the world and you can have it and you show up and you can do the work that you are gifted and talented in doing. But the other half of that is if the world doesn't know about it. your community doesn't yeah. know about it. And if they're, if you're not getting kind of in front of eyeballs and in, in, in people's ears and the beauty of Orlando that you've been here for 22 years, you know, like I've been here 20 years and, and there is, I think, especially in the past five to seven years, the rise it's, it is a blessing kind of in a curse of, of being able to, have so much more access to, we have so many more things, right? And so now your portion is getting slimmer and slimmer unless you're talking about it more and more. For me, that like, you know, there's a, we're actually trying to, to, I'm working on a building a network of venues that are not close together, like so that it's to to build an intelligent tour for performers, Mm -hmm. Um, like in Gainesville and Delray and St. Pete and Tampa and Jacksonville, that kind of stuff. But um, but for to me as uh, personally, uh, the more venues, like the more art, the more music there is in town, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah, everybody wins. 
because eventually, like this is the growing pains right now, but eventually it's going to be like, we're going to actually attract people like people who move to Austin or people who move to mm -hmm. like Knoxville, Tennessee. If you love weird music, there's a festival there that is, is big years. It's almost unparalleled like mm -hmm. in the world. You would not think of Knoxville, Tennessee as a hip place. It's an ugly city. It's like, <laughs> you know, mid-side, like, you know, industrial looking, like it's, it's not cool. It's right. not a cool city. And yet there's a cool thing happening there two weeks every year. Like that's unparalleled. Like, mm. so, and people know that, like, you know, it attracts like that. It attracts those, those people. Like right. it, now people are moving to Austin for artistic reasons, like for, because they want like the food scene and the music scene and whatever, like it's a hip place. And do you, I, you know, if I can be anywhere, I want to be in a place that's hip and cool and that there's good music and good food. Like it's makes sense. Right. And the mobility is, is, is probably going to go up and not down. Like, you know, sure. with the nature of the work that a lot of people do, like office work is going to be more and more replaced by, by home-based work and so anything that can no. be done in an office can already be done at home sure i mean and so it's unlikely that the trend is going to go the other way and then people are going to stop moving all of a sudden and so my point my my take on this is orlando is growing and right now like people are kind of like hunkered down and you know going to work and going back home and then staying home but at some point it's gonna not be like that anymore mm -hmm. and they're gonna say they're gonna say wow the let's move to Orlando there's because so, it's such a cool place. There's, yeah. Like, there's a lot of you know. things to do. And so it's, it's, it's we're not there yet, but right. like, you know, I do everything I can to help that yeah. cause. And, and including like I'm on the board of the Soto main street district and I'm chair of the design committee, you know, these kinds of things. Like I'm trying to be involved in the community. I bring, I, we like bringing a, a, a big, huge piece of art, a three, 3D art now that's going to be go up on the south end of the district. Mm. And then there's four more that are coming. Like I'm working hard to mm. make, uh, like my ultimate goal is to transform my community mm -hmm. into an open air museum, art museum, like the, nowhere, else, nowhere else on earth. Sure. Like the biggest, most complete, most diverse, um, you know, where everything has augmented reality, at least for information. Like, you know, ah. you can find out the story of the artist, the mm -hmm. story of the piece, like everywhere you go, guided tours, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, not only to bring tourists, but to bring people. Like, because if you attract artists, like creatives, let's call people, you know, creatives as, as a, as a, like a segment of the population. If you attract these people, the economy is going to do better. Like it's going to be, it's, they're usually like nice neighbors. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like they're, it, they're, it just makes for a nicer community. Like you're just going to like where you live more sure. if you have more creative people in it. Yeah. And so it, it's, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, well, I would like to say that I appreciate all that you do in this city and, um, with Timakua and how you've, uh, brought kind of the international vibe or the international perspective of like, what what things could be to Orlando and trying to like expose people to art and what you do with bringing in musicians and art experiences through your foundation we and try. all all the things that you're doing. Thank you. So we are going to touch uh, briefly on the Enneagram, which yeah. is something that I find um, very helpful. It has been to me um, and to, I think um, 
learning about kind of self-awareness within yourself and then being able to have more grace and compassion of understanding kind of the people that you're in relationship with or that you interact with, um, being able to, for me, it was kind of understanding like how I view the world and interpret the world and understanding that some people have very different DNA and very different builds of how they interact and um, what's what's a reward for them, right? A reward for me could be very different, vastly different than somebody else. And um, having, I think, that self-awareness in that space to offer grace to yourself, to learn what healthy looks like, to learn what unhealth looks like, triggers, all that kind of stuff. Um so we kind of talked about it briefly, and then you had said that you think that you would self-identify probably in the Enneagram, the nine um, different pathways kind of that probably the one, the reformer would be what you think that you would probably most align with. Yes. yes. I think I inherit part of it from my mom and part of it from my dad. Okay. And so basically my my mom was, uh, uh, and my daughter is the same, justice uh like, oriented well hated injustice and unfairness mm -hmm. you know and so that i have some of that so that a lot of what i do is trying to you know i have a like a i don't want to say a level playing field that's not really the it but like so that drives me so mm -hmm. like it's like it's something that drives me that i know comes from my mom and then my dad it was changing things with his hands, with his mind, um, to improve his own lot and ours, like mm -hmm. you know, and so, um, so it's a different approach completely, but in in similar results, like you know, I don't know, but that's what that's what I think. It, my I've I've always kind of had this drive to try to make my place better, like mm. my space sure. my environment sure. better you know right so. so you can kind of see an existing structure and then be able to see the bones of it and then be able to say here's how we can take this to the next level or or you know here's what's we're missing something here let's do it mm. like you know so the one for if people don't know what the one the one is the reformer so that's kind of like the very rational um i idealistic type principled purposeful self-controlled perfectionist do you think that those are things that would characterize the some of the ways that you i i life? do not like the label perfectionist mm -hmm. uh because i am not however i uh some people would uh, my daughter says i'm completely ocd mm. so maybe it can be confused by some people Okay. The two, the two could be confused, but okay. So, in other words, I have my uh, quirks and my uh, habits, and you know, trying to. I try not to put anything out in the world that's completely crappy, <laughs> you know. But I also never try to attain perfection. Like that's not as a trumpet player, it can never happen. Uh, not to me, anyways. Okay, <laughs> has never happened. Right. Um. So, but yes, the rest of it, I think applies, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Does it kind of help to, for me, it kind of helped me to see, I can view the world and view people kind of through a certain lens. And for me, I had to understand that other people don't always see things mm -hmm. in the same way that I do. 
And so I need to have more of an understanding, I think, and openness to say, okay, I see it this way, but you may not be in line with the way that I mm-hmm. kind of view the same, the same object or the same thing. Yeah. And I can see why this could be a lack in my, on, on, in my personality. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But can't have everything. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah. I you know what I mean? Like oh. I, my, my boys, my two sons, they, they told me that recently. Like, yeah, you see things one way, but you don't see that. Like for us, like how, and I, I can imagine that they could see their father as kind of like not an overachiever, but like an achiever, you know, and that could mm-hmm. be hard for a son, like saying, you know, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I see a problem. I see a solution, you mm-hmm. know, that's who I am. Right. And that's, I, and it's hard for me to see uh, that someone else would see a problem and not, try at least to find the solution like not see like a, a simple binary like to me life is very simple uh-huh. it's, it's hard but it's simple it's binary it's it's plus or it's minus uh-huh. if something needs to be plus and it's minus you change it until it's plus like i mean it's you if something is not what it needs to be you find the solution yeah. to make it what it needs to be mm-hmm. that doesn't mean very, that, very kind of black and white in those yeah. terms yeah. yeah like you know like problems are simply simple obstacles that could be hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. But like I, I took I took up golf and at 50 years old. Golf is it was the first time I found a hobby because you know the concerts were my hobby. But then the concerts now are my job. And so right. I need a hobby, right? And so and golf was the f- the first thing that I tried that was like trumpet playing. It was like the same. And it was the life. It's like life. It's exactly like life. Like you'll never get it completely. Mm. You'll never master it. Mm-hmm. Like trumpet, you'll not. We won't. You can't see what you're doing. You can see what others are doing, but you can't see your own swing. Like right. until you video yourself. But then you know what I mean. Like so, you can feel. You could like same thing with trumpet. Mm. You can you can feel. You can you have to predict the result in order to get close to that. Mm-hmm. Same with golf. Like to me. So and it's a very very. Um, Easy way to understand me as a person. If you're a person who does not understand me, just get that. Like, get that. That's what drives me improving. I like improving. I like getting better. Uh But I know that I, to begin with, that I'll never get it. I'll never get there. Right. And I'm fine with that. Like, it's not a problem. And so I, to me, like. But you have the energy and the drive to want to to achieve to get there oh, to yeah get there. like today is the first day in a while i haven't practiced my golf yet i will before it gets dark if i get back home before it's dark okay so but because i practice in my backyard right but, um but you know but so I, I same thing with trumpet i don't have any work on trumpet right now there is no reason for me to practice my trumpet okay. i practice my trumpet every day hmm. anyways it's not a it's like overall general kind of staying in shape kind of thing but just in case somebody calls me i'm not gonna suck you know i'm not gonna (laughs) or say oh i'm sorry i haven't practiced in three months i can't do it Uh like i can't do i love to play if somebody wants to call me wink wink 
call me. I'm happy to play when I can, you know? Right. And so I love, I love playing and, and, uh, trumpet, I mean, or other instruments. I play other instruments, but, um, but having the awareness that not everyone is built in that same yeah. capacity. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I understand now right. that not everyone sees life like that, of course, because right. I'm smart enough to know that. But at the same time, sometimes it, it's, uh, it's like, man, like this is the problem. Obviously, let's fix this it. is let's fix it. And <laughs> right. this is one of maybe three solutions that I see. Do you see any more? Like if and let's go, man. Like you just do it. Like don't mm -hmm. wait for things to happen. That kind of stuff, you know. Right. So I'm probably not the best. Well, I think know. it's uh, it's all in the, in the space of uh, self awareness and of of wanting to. Um, I mean, it's easy for, for that, for your personality type, but to, to be walking towards to having kind of the best version of yourself right. and being, and being also, I think, aware of how your presence in, uh, in like within other people affects other people. Right. And so right. having compassion with yourself and then having yeah. compassion with other people to, to understand like, oh, you interpreted me in this way. Maybe I wasn't really aware of that or like, right, how right. can I communicate with you the best that we can so right, that we can right. work together, have a relationship or run a business. Yeah. And I, you know, honestly, I have not had a lot of like problematic, like interpersonal, really like relationship issues in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I only on a very, a few rare occasions, like it's very, very rare that I've had like somebody, I cannot deal with that person. I don't know how to deal with that mm -hmm. person would be a better phrase, but, um, but it's 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 been pretty good. Life has been good. That's good. Yeah. That's been life good. is good to me. So part of what makes life good and great um, for me is rest, and it's something that I think people don't talk about or do enough um, in your in your life. Uh, what are some practices that you have adopted to kind of retreat, step back, rest, play, discovery? Um, spaces that you can really renew so yeah. that you can go out and be so as are. a rule every three years my wife and i go on a vacation every three years every three years yeah okay and we've never been able to do more kids work whatever but um so and now we have a new routine where i go i go to canada every for two weeks every summer so that's a new thing that's helps a little changes things um, but for me, it's more a daily thing. It's mm -hmm. a daily routine. So I recharge every day, which I do by practicing trumpet. That's like, think about meditation or yoga. It's very, very similar. The breathing part of it, the, the listening to your sound in the room part of it, like, you know, this whole, it's almost like Tibetan meditation, like the, mm -hmm. the, the humming. So I hum into a trumpet. Like, I mean, I sing in a trumpet, right? So it's very therapeutic and very relaxing and it takes me out of my head and uh, my wife sings in choir so it's a different thing that's what works for her mm -hmm. for me i i mean i have to practice my trumpet i'm a trumpet i have to practice my trumpet i'm a trumpet player so uh and i write music so that's also the, it's a very high like i have concentrate hard it's hard for me to write music so that takes me out of my head also and i play golf and I practice my golf. Uh -huh. I don't play golf a lot. I, I don't have time, but I practice my golf. And that takes me out of my head, mm -hmm. out of my head completely. Mm -hmm. So to me, and they all, they have something in common, right? These things, all these activities have something in common is that I, 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 I gets me away from my day-to-day -day work with 
which like like answering like 100 emails a day like it 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 eats at your soul like right mm -hmm. whatever it's about like it doesn't matter and then booking like i'm doing the booking for the house that's like it just grinds it's a grind and so doing the work every day if i did not do these things i would quickly burn out like mm -hmm. i quickly would need a weekend off for example or something like that but throughout my life i've adopted well since i started playing well before i played trumpet i ran uh-huh and i so skied cathartic you know yeah and and that was and that's the ideal for me like i'm I, i'm still a loner mm. right if if you think of it that way because so my way to get up to get out of my head was to run or to ski when i was a kid mm -hmm. and now it's to play trumpet and or practice my trumpet i should say and then practice my golf or write music so it's whatever it is that doesn't have to do with my day-to-day -day job right mm -hmm. and so and also we have a routine with my wife like because we basically both work from home mm -hmm. so lunch is a routine like it's a thing like we watch a stupid show on television like uh right now we're watching this british comedy whatever like it's a cop series you know what's it called uh, um new tricks so it's new tricks yeah okay. it's a bunch of old farts who solve on like closed cases that kind of stuff um or open old closed cases anyways um the, the the point is like we have we have lunch together we have breakfast together every day and we have lunch together every day and that's like it's a it's a routine like mm -hmm. where we spend that time and then dinner is not always like you know that changes like she sure. she goes out she teaches and then she goes out for quite like this nighttime mm -hmm. like and then we we reconvene at the end of the day like you know at night of course mm. every every day but that like you know people uh, like i don't know i see my relationship with my wife as a vacation like i mean it's like if, if you i mean i didn't say that right but it's like a, a retreat like it's this place where i can go and and um and we have our own like every day is the like the, the time that the next time after we last met we pick it up like we pick up where we left off kind of thing you know right. what i mean like we keep mm -hmm. this thing going yeah and then and so and it's simple it's not complicated like you know she cooks we eat together and like sometimes we'll like at lunch we'll usually at lunch but at, at breakfast time we don't watch something necessarily but sometimes we'll listen to the radio or something or we just talk whatever but the point is like we this is like this little um routine that mm -hmm. that is check in yes and, and it's in, in a safe place yeah to, and yeah. it's important because mm -hmm. it's also like she's not like she was she played harpsichord with opio uh, last week and so she was very nervous and before that but every time we had breakfast or lunch together she didn't think about that Mm -hmm. like right because we're talking we're talking about something else and then she goes back to practice she goes back to being nervous like you know she goes back to work like that was her work for these two weeks was to prepare that music like the brendan berg and treaty you know like, like hard music for a harpsichord and so you know that's that's what another thing that keeps mm -hmm. me going like people think that i don't sleep for example because i uh, people seem to think that i achieve a lot you know i i get a lot done because i do bursts I work, I work a burst, then I go practice my trumpet, then I go, I, I work another burst and then I go mm -hmm. practice my golf and then I work another burst. And like for a while, my, my golf setup wasn't like, I have a simulator, right? So my golf setup was inside and I would practice my trumpet. Like I would do one exercise, one golf shot, 
one exercise, one goes, that, that's how comp compartmentalized I can be. Like I can, you know, I don't do it anymore. I do like basically 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Like that's what I taught to my kids. When they were little, they would practice, they all play several instruments, right? And so they would all play one instrument for 20 minutes, one instrument for from nine to one. Oh, and wow. so it was 20 minutes, one instrument, 20 minutes, the second instrument, 20 minutes, a third instrument, 20 minutes off, 20 minutes, one, ah. two, three off, one, two, three off. And at, after one o'clock, they could do whatever they want. Right. Like that was during their holidays and whatnot and before school. And so they, they, you don't develop a, a virtuoso that way, but you develop, you develop a good person, like a smart, organized person, uh -huh. you know, because it's, you know, I, I mean... You know, my daughter, for example, she did NYU National Youth Orchestra at Carnegie Hall. Like it's a, it's a thing. It's a, you know, uh, the inaugural year, and she's the only musician ever, kid. They're high school kids hmm. to make it on two instruments: she made a horn and viola. Like that's something, you know. And sure. all we did was just like, okay, practice your viola now. You, you got twenty minutes, and then we, I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't even there with her to practice. That's not the point. It's just like, okay, now, like, because we only had one piano, every, that's why we did this thing right. this way. Three kids, <laughs> there's always sure. somebody at the piano right. uh, constantly, but the different, the different kid every 20 minutes, you know? And so, and 20 minutes, kids, adults, I mean, it's a manageable time. Like you can't do a thing for two hours Three, straight yeah. without mm -hmm. getting really tired. And then you feel like you need to recharge your batteries, right? Hmm. Well, if you... Never feel like you have to recharge your batteries. Then you never have to recharge your batteries. You know what I mean? Mm. You you can't you you only do that when you need it. Like I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. uh, and I my like with work like with the circus and stuff. Like I base I you know vacation was welcome. Like the the time off we had was welcome. But usually I was, you know, the school, like it, it, it was never when the school was off because then it was busy season, blah, blah, blah. So, so, um, so every three years, like I was like tipping point, like I need We're a vacation. Get We're getting away from right. the kids and yeah. life and everything and go to Spain and our friend's cabin or whatever it was. Right. You know? And we always found cheap ways to do it. Like we never, you know, but, um, but we happen, I happen to have friends. If you had, so. um, an ideal day off and could be here, could be anywhere. Money is no object. Like if you could just have a day wherever doing all the things that you love to do, what would like your ideal day off look like? There is no such thing. And the reason no is, there, there, here's the thing. Okay. I don't want a, a day i want five thousand different days like okay. i'm not gonna say this is the day i want because today maybe that's what it is tomorrow it's gonna be something else like i want it to be something else i don't like i'm not a beach person for example but right. so i'm what, not i wouldn't would, say that what would a day or a season like what are some of the things that you would be like from morning to night here are the things i would love to like pack in my day for like my an, an ideal day of, well i can i can i can of adventure i can golf uh, non-stop now like i could do it forever like non-stop but okay. i sure that would change if i did it full-time for a while that would change but i mean right. but that's what i'm saying like i'm i'm a, a a guy i use all four drawers of my cabinet right every day all the time like i don't i don't want to overuse any one of them like i i am like that like this is 
who I am. And so I don't want, I, I don't feel the need to force that. And like, I could not do the same thing for an entire day, for example. I can't. Right. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Like I could do the beach if I have a good book to read for 20 minutes. After that, I'm going to be antsy and I want to get uh, up and go for a run or something like that. Like I want, sure. I want, I'm a 20 I mean, your I'm day a, could be filled with loads of, lots of different things. Lots of exactly. Like you get up, you go for a run. That is my day. My day you is. you have lunch with your wife. Yes. You golf in the afternoon. Yes. This is what I do now. And this is what I want. Like this is mm. why I do what I do because that's mm -hmm. what I want. And so if we, when we're on vacation, like we, go to the market in the morning like okay so we let mm -hmm. if we have rented a car then you know we hop in the car no plans no gps mm -hmm. no map and we drive and then whoops an adventure happens whatever that is we found an incredible viola for my daughter in italy blah 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 like you know i have all these stories of right. the, because we let them happen like i mean this is what but you know this is what i like to do if to i am on vacation right. i don't want to plan i'm i always have my trumpet with me so i'm always going to practice my trumpet every day that's part of my vacation the same as it you know mm -hmm. i mean because i started so late this is part of what shaped my habits is because I took a day off after 10 years. So my first day off of trumpet right. was after 10 years of playing trumpet. So in 1990, 1990, I took my first day off because I started playing in 1980. So this is, a, it was a big, big interior, deal yeah. for me. Like right. to take a day off, not think about the trumpet, not have my trumpet with me for a day was like a huge deal to me. And and it would still, I mean, it's less now, but because like I have not played trumpet today and I have some risers to build tonight. So I don't know how much trumpet playing I'm going to get in today. You know, it's not the end of the world. Right. I, I will get in tomorrow. But I mean, I will probably get it in. Like I'll get a 20 minute in for sure, you know. And and if I can, two or three, like, you know, that's right. But I don't practice my trumpet for three hours straight. Like I've never done that anyways, even when I was in school. Mm -hmm. I mean, I practice 10 hours a day, but all in little bits. And I did different things. Like I had different, like I had a whole schedule made up and stuff right. when I was a kid, you know. So, but everybody's different. Everybody you know? is different. Absolutely. I know like my 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 son, my oldest son, he could if 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 it's beach day, he's gonna lay there for the entire day. Mm -hmm. If it's reading day, he's gonna read the entire day. If it's video game day, he could play video game for 24 hours straight. Like he can do things for a long time, mm -hmm. which could be a very useful skill for him. Like I don't know. For me, I mean I work long hours every day but not in a row right like not doing the same thing in a row right, like right. i work i go i change i do one thing i do one thing anyway. hmm. you know and i i've always encouraged my kids to do that but they turn out different like they do whatever what they do what they're gonna do they right. do what they're built they're like doing that's what they're gonna do yeah so i don't care what they do i just taught them the way i know how to do it and then hey they that's what you can do as We're a parent. We're all built you know? differently. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, would you say, as we as we kind of wrap up here, would you say, do you have any kind of like um, motto or mantra or like anything that you kind of like live The arts by? belong to everyone. Aha. Uh -huh. I hate, I have to do it sometimes myself. Like mm -hmm. we have, but high ticket prices, I hate. Mm -hmm. I hate exclusivity. 
I like inclusivity. Mm -hmm. I I mean, the fact that we have a small venue, you would think, oh, it's exclusive. No, it's inclusive because we have more events instead. Like, you know, so it's like, to me, there's two principles in my life that, I mean, that belief, credos, like beliefs that I have. Right. Uh, one is that the arts creative, like the creative, the art of creation, like as far as artistic, the, 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 the act of creation, food, you know, whatever, is the highest form of human endeavor so creating something mm -hmm. that was not there before mm -hmm. is the highest possible level of of thing that we can do like that's the highest thing education is the most important thing that we do as a society and so that's why i always try to put the two together like mm -hmm. you know and so i volunteered at boone for six years i did their big band every day at noon you know because You know, I could, and my kids were there, and I said, okay, I can spend some time with them every day, you know, if they're in, in the big band. So, but that's what, that's what you can, that's what I would like to leave the world with. Art is, is for everyone. Art belongs to everyone. Art belongs to everyone. And art, music, you know, it belongs to everyone. Mm -hmm. And education is the most important thing that we can do, that we do. Mm -hmm. And so not healthcare, not Everything stems from education. Everything comes after education. Like if you don't have, if you don't educate the next generation, you will, you're not improving the planet. Like you're not improving, improving the world or the universe, mm. whatever. That's my, that's my yeah. core beliefs. Like that's it. Thank you so much for spending some time with Thank me you. this afternoon. And where would we find you on on social media or the internet? Where um, would we find So Tifua? if you're interested in like weird ideas about trumpet design and things <laughs> like that, I have I have a website. Okay. Benoitglazer at gmail.com. Okay. Which is I don't take care of a lot, but there's a few things in there that may be of interest to people. Uh .com is our website okay. for the foundation, for the nonprofit. So anything artistic, like as far as um, you know, uh the venue and the education programs and all that stuff uh, that we do. We have other, I, we only skim the surface of what we do. We have our sure. own mobile computer lab, all that stuff. So, um, and uh, on social media, I have my own Facebook account. I'm nearing the maximum number of friends I can get. So um, it's going to close up soon. I'm going to, I do either have to, you know, <laughs> go go in there and see who I actually don't know and stuff. But uh, right. Um, but Timucua Arts is uh, I think it's Timucua Arts Foundation on Facebook, and they okay. have an Instagram account. I don't take care of it anymore. Uh, and then I think they have a Twitter account too. All right. So social media, we're on social media, and uh, we do the old the grandpa stuff, you know, mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook. I don't I don't do a lot of the hip stuff. I don't, I, I, I was off Facebook But for 10 years. That's so. how people can find you. Yes. yes. We're easy to, I'm easy yes. to find online. Timuqua is easy to find online. Uh, you know, we used to be uh, known as the White House, Timuqua White House. Yes. And we, we gave up the White House part. Oh, okay. Uh, it was just a funny, it was a joke at first because if you were like Sunday nights, right? So if you were late at, late at work the next day, you could you say, say, I was at the White House last night. Ah, uh, all right. But you know, we found out that there's like one of the, you know, first porn site 
was called the White House. And so we ah, dropped that. I did, yeah, was not I aware. Didn't, I didn't know <laughs> right? about that. And then, uh, you know, plus now with the, the creeping fig, it's mostly green. The wet, the east side of it is is getting covered in creeping fig, right? Uh, vines, not so, as so. much white. No, no. Well, it is a lovely spot. Thank and you. And it was lovely. Spot. I hope you come back soon. You haven't yeah. been in a while. I yeah, I was there. I think like a couple months ago. A couple months ago. Was, yeah, you know? I would love to come back. Absolutely. I mean, I've been over the years because I've been yeah. here a lot of years. Mm-hmm. So definitely have. It's a it, honestly, it's a cool. Different space. Then you haven't seen the new the new seats probably, so new comfortable seats. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so we always like every couple of months there's a new project to improve mm-hmm. the, the 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 experience of the audience and the performers. Okay. So we like I don't that I if you want to call that perfectionist I don't know but it's <laughs> just like a you know if you stay still somebody's gonna pass you <laughs> if you move forward <laughs> you have a chance of keeping up you know uh-huh. yeah so absolutely. that's what i that's the way i see it and you oh, know as a runner on the, of long like mid long distances right that was it you don't have to be super fast but you can't stop stay, right. <laughs> stay the course you're gonna lose if you stop right. <laughs> so yeah fair enough well i will come back soon yeah and thanks for being here with me yeah, today. No it was easy. Yes, it was easy. Great. All right. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversations? 